0: You need indeed. Three.
1: We're reacting to week four of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. I actually had to pause for a second while I was saying that to check if we really were already reacting to week four, but it's actually here. I was at the Patriots Buccaneers game last night. Curtis, still trying to uh regroup from that last second uh <laughs> uh, you know, doink off the post. Uh so it was it was quite a time, but how are you doing?
2: Wow, that's incredible. I don't think I actually knew you were there, but man, that's a special moment for uh Patriots fans. Did you find yourself rooting more for Coach Bill or were you feeling nostalgic for uh Brady there?
1: <laughs> you know, be like I um didn't have too much of a feeling either way. Like obviously I wanted the Patriots to win, but I I'm kind of of the opinion that this season, I don't see the team making the playoffs. So it's probably a more useful win for Brady. It would have been kind of fun to have him come back to town and light things up. But once the game kicked off uh, and like, you're actually in the stadium and your home team's playing, it was, it was pretty much all Patriots for me from there on out. I think most people felt the same way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, Wow. Well, that, yeah, that's a special game to go to and to, and to witness Brady pass Drew Brees uh, as the all time um, leading passer in NFL history. That's, that's pretty special, man. So congrats to you on uh, getting to witness some history. Um, I did not, I did not uh, get to watch any football um, yet yesterday. Thank goodness for uh, my game pass uh, sub. So I'll, I'll start catching up over the next day or two. Uh, my son, I did have a proud dad moment though. So my son, oh, nice. um, on uh Saturday and, and Sunday, uh, they had a uh, travel soccer, uh, invitational this weekend. And, uh, the mini moon puncher, Kellen, the 10 year old, uh, six goals, including the deciding penalty kick after double overtime in the title game. Whoa. So, uh, definitely, nice. definitely a proud, a proud dad moment there. Uh, so a good, good, a good weekend. Um, up until about 9 a.m. Sa- uh, Sunday morning and then uh, th- then a big dose of reality uh, in the healthcare gig after that. But um, yeah, man, I can't wait to talk about our three AFC teams, three NFC teams, you know, our player of the week, our snoozer of the week. Uh, I'm really loving this format. So let's get down to business. All right, let's do it.
1: All right, Curtis, that puts it on you to lead us off with the player of the week. There's a couple of possibilities here. One of them um, I had planned on talking about later. So I I had a backup plan because I thought the possibility was high that you might be mentioning this. So who do you have?
2: I I have a strong feeling you're going to need your backup plan because (laughs) uh, we have to ceremoniously recognize this player. He's been, I mean, really like on a per touch basis um, and just like excitement factor basis, one of the most exciting players In NFL history, certainly one of the best kick returners in NFL history, all of a sudden, just he's a fantasy bludgeon. You just hate to see this player in your opponent's lineup. (laughs) He strikes fear into the hearts of fantasy managers everywhere. It's Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson, man, three touchdowns, uh, six targets, five receptions, 82 yards, three touchdowns uh, receiving and then he added uh at nearly a 6 yards a carry clip 34 rushing yards 34.6 PPR from the bit role play, the career bit role player it is just uh it's a revelation man and it is really cool to see um i don't think this could have happened in the NFL 20 years ago uh maybe not even 10 years ago except in very special hands but the falcons putrid backfield and underperforming receiving core has created this perfect set of circumstances for uh, uh, Cordero Patterson to emerge. So uh, congrats. Uh, He is the player of the week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so fun to see how this plays out when you have these versatile players like Patterson that can do so many things, getting an opportunity. And it also really reinforces what we've been talking about for years now in PPR with how important it is that you have these pass catching running backs and how good they can be. Because right now, in terms of PPR per game, I believe that Patterson ranks two among running backs on just seven rushing attempts per game, which really tells you all that you need to know about (laughs) how valuable touches are. Oh,
2: man, I feel like there's a market. There's definitely some marketing opportunity in there. Um, What a great, yeah, what a great poll there, Dave.
1: Yes. All right. So that brings us uh, um, to... The snoozer of the week, Curtis. This one's this one's tough for me because it's a player that I have talked about a lot. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster went just two Oof. of eight for 11 yards. We've already talked about him this year in a negative light. Feels like this is something that's been happening a frequent amount. Um, I do want to point out, That uh, He did see 95 air yards, but on the year he's averaging just 8.5 points, 3.8 receptions per game and 32 yards with zero touchdowns. Not what you want to see. And there's going to be a lot of finger pointing going on in Pittsburgh when you have the results that the team has had so far outplayed by Green Bay. Uh, pretty substantially over the weekend. Roethlisberger's bottom core tie and completion percentage of passers with more than 15 attempts per game. Only Drew Locke, Andy Dalton, Davis Mills, and Jacoby Percet have lower yards per attempt. Uh, is tied for 25th in touchdowns with just one per game. So no matter where you want to assign blame here, this just isn't good for Juju. It's not good for Ben. It's not good for... Chase Claypool perhaps could not be good for Deontay Johnson as well. Uh, Curtis, I think that we co-manage a couple of teams that have Juju on them. How concerned are you?
2: Oh, I'm super concerned. Um, And the the unfortunate thing is, is like the Steelers offense is still one that could support a blow up game from any of the receivers in any week, even with Ben's limited skill set. And the problem is when that happens, Juju is going to be on our bench. Uh, it's already happened to us once this year and it's, it's bound to happen again. I mean, he's just entered like, he's now a boom bust wide receiver five or something. Right. I mean, his, his, his weekly opportunity does not support usage except for, you know, by, you know, multiple by week coverage, as long as you drafted a decent team um, or multiple injury coverage. So yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned uh, from a 2021 redraft perspective and I'm also very concerned from a like a dynasty perspective. i mean juju has you know he's had an elite start to his career um even even with a little bit of the noise the last season and a half. It's still a player that you know you're hoping maybe by the time he gets a second contract, second team, maybe we see like a Robert woods type thing where he better situation he has more sustainable role i'm i'm just I'm pretty concerned man, just about the player overall. Um, so I don't think he's a player you can, you can't even move in dynasty. And if you could, I mean, it would be at, it'd be at dimes on the dollar for sure. So, uh, you, you may be one of the foremost juju fans. I mean, like how worried are you?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm really worried. Um, like I, I knew that this was going to be a tough matchup with green Bay, um, in the cornerback wide receiver matchup. I, I actually recommended that if you had other options, you go elsewhere, um, But now I'm beginning to think that this might be the type of recommendation I have to make for the overwhelming majority of opponents that they have. Because lots of times you can have a passing attack that's talented enough that it can offset bad matchups. Couldn't say that this weekend. And I think that's a testament to how far down this team has come in that arena. And then for Juju, it's hard now to overlook the number of bad weeks Potentially looking like this could be a bad season for him and him failing to meet expectations. So I do think that the name brand that Juju had developed for himself in fantasy is starting to become substantially tarnished.
2: Yeah, hopefully his Fortnite uh, career is still going strong.
1: Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> On that note, let's make our way over to some game notes. Let's start in the NFC. I want to talk about San Francisco. Um, Now, earlier in the morning, uh, or earlier today in the morning, it looked like there was talk that Jimmy Garoppolo had suffered a calf injury. He could be out for a couple of weeks, which made it look pretty clear that the shift to Trey Lance was already underway. The last report I read uh, today made it seem that They had overreacted and it wasn't really clear how long he might be out. Uh, But I didn't want to talk about San Francisco, even with the cloud there as to who the passer will be, because I just wanted to point out how much this offense has flown through Debo Samuel. We saw another ridiculous outing from him over the weekend, a two touchdown game on the year. He's averaging 10.5 targets for seven receptions, 122 yards per game, Curtis. 0.8 receiving touchdowns, 23.5 per game. Uh, That puts him well ahead of the rest of the team in targets per game. You have George Kittle at 7.2, then Brandon Ayuk at 3.7. So this offense is really going through Debo. Uh, And the thing I did look at here, I tried to quickly make my way uh, through the game pass when Trey Lance came in in the second half of the game. I'm including a two-point attempt here and a play that was called back via penalty, but I was looking at targets. I had Samuel as seeing seven targets, three going to George Kittle. All three were incomplete. Just one to Brandon Ayuk, four to Mohamed Sanu, uh, two to Juszczyk, and one to to Shurfield. So it's looking like even with the change, we could still see this offense going through Debo. I do want to point out though, that though things have been down for Kittle, he's still seeing a pretty good volume for tight end. So hopefully we could see him start to string together some good games. But I really think the major takeaway here is just how insane Debo has been and that it looks like it should continue. And I think it will regardless of who is playing quarterback for San Francisco.
2: Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um, Debo, man, he's he's scoring at a Tyreek Hill level clip. I mean, uh he he is on the very short list of uh first quarter fantasy MVPs, uh, for sure. Um huge, huge value. Would expect that many Debo Samuel teams uh in best ball are are toward the top uh of their of their standings right now. Um, with the quarterback thing, yeah, it's just it's just kind of tough, you know. Um, if if Jimmy G is healthy, I mean, were the offense playing at such a level that the 49ers could really look themselves in the mirror and say, with Jimmy G maybe not making turnovers and is you know what which he actually does, what's the yeah. problems like the veteran you would expect to protect the ball, but you know he still does make the turnovers. We really look in the mirror and we think we can compete with Seattle. The Rams and the Cardinals. Um, I just don't see it. So you might as well go for the haymaker, uh, and go to the rookie and see if you can get a rookie season Cam Newton level, um, bump there. You know, he he averaged uh, last week averaged a yard and a half uh, greater per attempt. Um, and you know he he was he didn't take the starters reps. You know, going into the game, I think the downfield game could potentially be a lot stronger with lance's arm and you know moving around outside the pocket of course you know shanahan with the prior success with you know rg3 early in his career um and having a a designed run uh, basis for the quarterback trey sermon looking a little bit better in this game so maybe the 49ers could kind of reinvent themselves on the fly and give opposing defenses something else to worry about but um you know, man, I think the big, the big story there in San Francisco from a fantasy perspective, certainly is Debo Samuel. And I would propose that we simply start referring to this other player as Brandon. Ayuk, it, <laughs> I yuck, because like, I just don't, I really don't think it's happening. I mean, he's like in, in the doghouse inside the doghouse right now. Uh, it's just really not happening, Dave.
1: Yeah. And the strange thing is, well, I guess I shouldn't say the strange thing here, Um, But it's interesting because both of these wide receivers had kind of been pegged as guys that could be real interesting options. But I think given this, how strong we saw Ayuk last year, a lot of people were thinking it was going to be him. Uh, And it's almost like the excitement that people would have had for the two of them has just all been absorbed into Debo. So just super exciting outlook for him from a dynasty perspective. Maybe that's something we'll talk about this season because obviously his stock has gone up tremendously, but, uh, we got to keep things moving here. A lot to get through. So why don't you take me through some notes that you had from an AFC game, Curtis?
2: Yeah, let's talk about my brownies. The, nice. the one game I've had a chance to, to talk <laughs> or uh, to watch a little bit of, um, I actually was able to watch the final play, uh, and that's it, uh, in terms of watching it live. Um, but I, but I have had a chance to, um, observe some trends and in in the Sands Jarvis Landry version of the Cleveland Browns offense in 2021, you know, so we made, we basically uh, just as a reminder, made a, a, a switch of injured Landry for healthy OBJ, um, you know, a really troubling trend for early round running back drafters has developed and cream hunt during that time period has also been, uh, has usurped uh, Nick Chubb as the foremost fantasy scorer, you know, once again. So kind of what we saw mid, uh, middle of the year last year, um, you know, Kareem Hunt taking over as the RB1 in Chubb's absence. Um, we're now kind of seeing him still get like all of those really high value fantasy opportunities, and Chubb is just basically an early down pounder. Um, over the last two weeks, Kareem Hunt averaging 22.1 PPR, Nick Chubb just 9.9, um, only seeing you know, only one target in the last two weeks for Nick Chubb. Um, 11 targets for Kareem Hunt over the same period. And he also has the rushing touchdown um, and and Nick Chubb does not have one. So um, Kareem Hunt, once again, looking like the better backfield value in Cleveland. And I I would expect, you know, that the team will continue to lean into that until they're at full health uh, on the perimeter. You know um, I'm assuming, you know, I haven't seen the visuals, but from the stat line, uh, it looks like Baker had a very difficult day uh, against Minnesota completing less than half of his passes. Um, I have read you know some of the commentary around you know Otto Beckham Jr looking pretty frustrated in that game after being overthrown badly a few times and it shows up in the stats for sure 144 air yards just 29 or 27 receiving yards uh, caught just two of seven targets. So the Browns offense definitely won being driven by the backfield workhorses right now. If you're a Kareem uh, Kareem Hunt owner, you're very encouraged. If you're a Nick Chubb owner, you're you're not so encouraged. So, um, you know, from a dynasty perspective as well, just to put that spin on it because I can, it's a little troubling for Nick Chubb. You know, he's kind of, he's in that iffy age range now, you know, age 25 already somehow. It's like you blink and it just happens. Um, With no receiving role to speak of, and not being, you know, an end zone hammer for this team right now, they're just not scoring enough points overall as a squad. He's just kind of like a. a there's no excitement here, um, and you know, I think that that really devalues him. You know, if you're, if if you are a contender, um, you know, really depending on Chubb, I think you have to ask yourself, you know, at the end of the year, am I going to be happy holding uh, him, knowing that the team continues to like what they have in Cream Hunt, knowing that the team has. Um, started to give uh, Demetric Felton some of those other receiving opportunities as well. You know, all I kind of see is a downward trajectory for Chubb at this point, he's not going to get those targets. Like even somebody like Derrick Henry has gotten and he's not owning the rushing attempts at a level that somebody like Derrick Henry from that same vein has gotten. So what do you really have here? Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely concerning from a fantasy perspective.
0: By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com/bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You've worked hard for what you have: your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement. Regardless of the context in which a running back normally finds himself, we've already seen, like you said, Chubb in the league now for a number of years. You're already naturally starting to trend down. And then you have the situation you mentioned. And the other thing that's really interesting is Chubb has always performed very well. In the advanced stats like yards after contact broken tackle percentages all of that stuff this season and kareem hunt's been good too but this year in particular you actually have hunt matching chubb stride for stride in yards before contact actually now beating him in yards after contact which was always one of the big selling points for chubb hunt also has a top seven evasion percentage and is beating chubb in those other metrics so as good as Chubb has been, you have Kareem Hunt playing some really good ball, which certainly does not help out. So it's interesting to uh, see what will happen as that backfield plays out. But uh, always exciting you have a team with two really good running backs that are usable fantasy for fantasy purposes. And that brings me to a team that I wanted to talk about here from the NFC going to Green Bay, where you had an exciting game for a lot of. Fans of Rotoviz or people that draft some of the guys that we've liked. A.J. Dillon was a name now that people have been waiting on uh, for a couple of years. We've seen flashes here and there. Now, of course, in this game against Pittsburgh, it might have been one that was more inclined to give both backs a go. We actually saw Aaron Jones rush 15 times. A.J. Dillon rush 15 times. Average 5.4 yards per clip Dillon did. 81 yards on his 15 attempts. Also saw one target. So Aaron Jones only uh, draws three more opportunities, a little more valuable as he did get four targets. But I thought that this was pretty exciting to see AJ Dillon start to get worked in. Obviously, in the past, we saw games where Jamal Williams was able to accrue fantasy points, sometimes outscoring Jones, sometimes both players having good days. So I thought this was pretty encouraging, Curtis, to see Dylan um, getting worked in here. Hopefully, this is something that can carry forward.
2: Yeah, and he even got a target. I mean, good for the young man there. He even got a target, and he did manage to, uh, to corral it in uh, 16 receiving yards there. So yeah, Um You know, 10.9 PPR for Aaron Jones in the game, 10.7 for A.J. Dillon. So, uh, you know, really going stride for stride there. Uh, The Steelers clearly had a game plan of trying to limit what Devontae Adams could do. Um, That really seems to be what they're geared toward. They're pretty successful in that. Uh, Caught just over 50% of his targets and, you know, really was not an explosive game. Anytime you see Randall Cobb in the year 2021 uh, posting multiple touchdowns, and a higher uh, YPR than Devonte Adams, you know that the other team was just happy to let that happen, Um, and so you know I think you know uh, very smartly uh, Green Bay um, taking a little bit of a different strategy here, and the Steelers didn't seem uh, to want anything to do with tackling you know Dylan uh, based off of this uh, rushing efficiency that we saw out of the bigger back versus uh, typically more slippery Aaron Jones.
1: Yeah, the other note that I had from this too was we saw Robert Tunyon. Um, Only record two two receptions, but he did see seven targets. Also saw 83 air yards, uh, which was the same amount that Adams saw. Now, like you said, there was really an emphasis on taking Adams out of the game. But I don't think that we're always going to see Randall Cobb being the recipient of the two touchdowns. So Tunyon, it's kind of a hard spot for him right now. Uh, I would say, though, what we saw from him last year wasn't always this consistent rhythm of getting five receptions every game. Uh, You know, there was definitely an element of needing to get some touchdowns. So I think that if I'm somebody with him on my team, I'm still not like completely panicked. I'm just recognizing that, um, you know, just because it looked at points like he might become a permanent fixture you could count on every week. That's something that is fairly rare for tight ends. So I think that's probably what we're going to see carrying forward there
2: yeah, just on just on Big Bob there. I mean, he is averaging just shy of four tar- four Aaron Rodgers targets per game. And so you know when you get into the muddled mess uh, beyond the top handful of tight ends that you feel good about, those are still really high value targets. And so it is encouraging to see him uh, get a little bit bigger piece of the pie. and you know, not every team can do this, obviously. Uh, not every team has T.J. Watt and, you know, some other horses like that to kind of control and, and limit opposing quarterbacks. But, you know, other defenses are watching what the Steelers did to limit Devontae Adams and say, hey, let's try to play a tighter game with Green Bay. So I um, I think this naturally transitions into the next team that that I would like to talk about and the yep. type of game that Tunyon could have coming uh, in, in a, a week here very soon. We got to talk about one of your favorite uh offseason guys here. Yes. Uh Dave. Da- it's Dawson Knox yes. week in Buffalo, yes. man. Good for you, Dawson. Uh eight targets, uh, caught five balls, um, two touchdowns, just 37 re- receiving yards, but two touchdowns. This is a Tunyon-esque receiving line, if I've ever seen one. Um, this is exactly what Tunyon did in 2020. And it's, you know, it's proof that you know, chasing you know, tertiary and quaternary targets and um, these high-powered offenses, you know, is a good way to still find you know upside for your fantasy lineup. And um, I actually did pick up Dawson Knox from the uh, waiver wire heap and start him this week in uh, my ESPN um, uh, Kings Classic League, um, really competitive league. It's actually a 14-team league, and so you know, getting a big game like that out of Dawson Knox can be the deciding factor. So, was really excited to see that. Of course, it occurred in a forty to nothing, just drubbing of uh, the Houston Texans. We're not going to see that every week, uh, but for him to even have a chance to kind of get his cake, I think was you know really encouraging. You know, we also saw you know, another solid outing from uh, Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, seven catches, one hundred and fourteen yards. So it was nice to see that kind of emergence. Um, just one hundred twenty-eight air yards on ten targets. Um, I mean, it's, it's a decent number, but still, uh, you would like to see that downfield connection. With Diggs uh, happen soon, you know I think um, his week is coming. You know he continues to be a focal point of the offense. Uh, Allen and, and Diggs just haven't been on the same page on those you know really deep targets. He's got a Tyree Kill level game uh, coming soon. He's you're going to see the 180 yard two receiving touchdown game for Diggs any week now. Uh, you can write it down. Uh, it's definitely going to happen. And then <laughs> the Buffalo Bills backfield. We see yet another instance of Zach Moss, um, you know, outproducing from a fantasy perspective. Devin Singletary, they did split the rushing attempts in this one uh, right down the middle and Singletary uh, more efficient on a per carry basis. But Moss gets the carry uh, for the touchdown. And that's, you know, the entire difference there. So um, this backfield, you know, continues to be pretty difficult you know, to project, um, you could, you might feel good about, you know, streaming either guy as a flex level player. Not sure uh, I would trust either one as an RB2 unless I had to, but I think the lean goes to Moss uh, at this juncture um, with neither one really being a huge target getter and Moss seeming to be the the preferred option down close to the goal line.
1: Yes. Well, obviously I love the notes on Dawson Knox. Uh, I will say I'm a little disappointed though, because I am in a matchup with Pete Overzet, uh this week and i had logan thomas going unfortunately he got hurt the zero points. Oh so gosh. I, I have those 20 dawson oh Knox points on my bench and i would have loved to have had those in the lineup would have would have just about a guaranteed it, a victory
2: um but, i i don't have the whole stat the whole stat line uh, committed to memory yet but if 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 my uh box score visualization recall is accurate did did thomas even get a target well I feel he, like I he, didn't he even got see hurt very
1: early on Got hurt okay, very okay. early on. Yeah. yeah, so he he finishes with the big old goose egg, which is not what we like to see. Oh, my goodness. However, though, I did in that league, and I know nobody cares about listening to, to comments on fantasy teams. I'm just using this for transitional purposes. Oh, Yet I 20... do, Dave. I do. Oh, I, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> somebody somebody has to, because my wife sure isn't as uh, interested in my teams as I am. <laughs> um, James Conner, though, puts up 20.6 points for me, which brings me into... The Arizona Cardinals, I want to talk about them. And there's been so much focus on the passing for them in the preseason. Obviously, they have some names. They're exciting young guys. But boy, these running backs have been exciting as well as a usable duo in fantasy. Um, I don't have anything too actionable here other than it's just exciting to see that at this point, the breakdown has been Chase Edmonds, 11 rushing attempts. James Conner, 13. Now, James Conner has been scoring touchdowns at an aggressive clip, but Edmonds is getting 5.5 targets per game, which has even things out. He's actually at 14.9 points per game. James Conner is at 11.7. And I think with the way Arizona has been playing, we're reaching a point where you actually can think about leaving these guys in your lineup each week and feel pretty decent about it.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I started, um, James Connor and multiple, uh, FFPC, uh, football players, championship squads, uh, this week was very happy about that production. Um, it's very cool because both of these guys look like they could end up, uh, paying off, um, at their, you know, relative ADPs, um, from, from the summer, you know, it was a little bit divisive. It's kind of like you had this contingent of people that were like, Hey, we're chase Edmonds fans. We like the athleticism. He's finally getting his chance. James Connor's busted uh, you know, Kyler Murray is a, a big time running quarterback. There's not enough meat on the bone here, um, for, for three, uh, rushing producers, but Connor basically has the Kenyon Drake role. Um, and he's basically doing Kenyon Drake level things with it. Um, you know, he, he, you know, if he's going to continue to score the rushing touchdowns, you know, I wouldn't feel as good about starting him in a given week as Chase Edmonds, yep. but you know, so long as the Cardinals aren't facing like, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, uh, front seven, uh, other than that, I mean, you would feel pretty good about his chances to give you double digit, you know, PPR, um, just because he, you know, he's going to get those carries inside the five, uh, with chase Edmonds. Um, he really looks like he's trending towards being, you know, maybe a mid RB two. Uh, if those targets continue like that, he doesn't even really need the touchdowns to go with it um, to, to produce for you in, in, in the PPR uh, format anyway. So yeah, I really like that. I think that, um, it is actionable to say you can trust both of these guys, at least in your flex body tweak, Dave.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, just the final note, these, these fast paced offenses that are, when they target running backs, it just gives them that great opportunity. So yeah, hopefully, uh, that is actionable now that you mention it, but I I feel that you might have one more nugget for me back in AFC territory.
2: Yeah, I do. Um, We I want to go back to the Chiefs. It's just it's hard not to because I feel like we're seeing a little bit something different from Kansas City each week. Um, But they had so many you know uh, pivotal players there uh, that are you know that figured to be important in 2021 that it's important to observe what's going on. So you know the first thing is um, you know perhaps seeing Daryl Williams get you know 10 rushing attempts and a rushing touchdown as well as a couple targets. You know, maybe you're a little worried. You know, um, nobody was starting Darrell Williams. Um, but then when you see Clyde Edwards-Elaire over seven yards, a carry, uh, a triple-digit rushing uh, performance, and also adds a receiving touchdown, you know, this is obviously it's not a game that we're going to see from Kansas City every week. The Eagles were able to score enough to kind of force them to continue to produce. Um, But it is very, um, I'm sure, soothing for Clyde Edwards Elaire drafters to see this type of performance after, uh, you know, for the second week in a row, um, looking like a a fantasy player that maybe you can trust now. And then what can you say? I mean, what can you say that hasn't already been said about Tyreek Hill? 163 air yards, 13.6 air yards a target, caught 11 passes for 186 yards and three touchdowns, a 47.6 PPR explosion. Um he probably should have been the uh he probably should have been the player of the week in the segment at the top of the of the pod, but I just I had to give it to cpat um there, but I, I mean this is like when Michael Jordan didn't win the MVP everywhere every year in the mid to late 90s and you just wanted to see a different name. it's kind of what I did there. Tyreek Hill um I mean just just bravo um i I, I mean, and I, I made the argument this summer that you know he is still the dynasty wide receiver one. For the last two years have been saying, you know, I think he is probably gonna have like a, a Julio Jones Plus type um, you know, fantasy production uh curve and fantasy value decline, which means we we should still see a couple more true alpha seasons from Hill, you know, tied tied to Mahomes, tied to Andy Reid, um, you know, provided that he can stay healthy, uh, God willing. Um, and then and you're starting to see maybe some signs. Um, that Kelsey is the complement to Hill, and I felt like even as recently as last year that it was still the opposite way. Um, but Tyreek Hill seems to be like the the true key uh, to the offense in 2021, and just that simple passing of the baton unlocks upside as we're seeing now um, that we haven't even seen you know uh, to this point in his career. So uh, I think we could potentially be looking at like a legendary season out of Hill.
1: Wow. Well, that that certainly seems possible. It's interesting to think about what that curve is going to look like for Hill once he starts to taper off. Because one thing that people will normally talk about is the athletic receivers. Well, once they lose a step, what do they look like? The thing is, Tyreek Hill is so fast that he might be able to lose a step or two and still go stride for stride <laughs> with a lot of cornerbacks, right? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, in, oh, in yeah. a good situation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, we had kind of... Written off Clyde Edwards lair He started to come back to life a little bit. Um, so that's gonna be an interesting one to track. Uh, I did like the notes though on the Chiefs there. Before we close down, um, I'm gonna share a couple of obvious waiver wire names that people should have added by now. If you want to go deeper, go check out the tremendous article on Rotoviz that comes out from Sam Wallace every Monday where he lists a million deep names that uh, always tend to pay off. So Kenny Gainwell has been doing impressive things, inserting himself into that Eagles offense. Jeremy McNichols has been picking up points for Tennessee. And then obviously a Dalton Schultz with the two touchdown game uh, at tight end for the Cowboys. Blake Jarwin also found the end zone once for Dallas. They're a team putting up a lot of points, able to utilize their tight end. So two names to consider.
2: Yeah, I love it. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, um, looks like, you know, just better, just flat out better, uh, than Miles Sanders. And, um, you know, they're going to play a lot of high powered offenses in the NFC this year. Uh, the Eagles will, and in those trailing game script game scripts, if Gainwell is going to get all that snap share, I mean, Miles Sanders, unfortunately is like borderline unplayable. Um, based off of what we've seen the last couple of weeks, and, and Gainwell is almost you know kind of like a, a Naeem Hines type uh, role where you know, he may be bankable in a lot of these shootouts uh, that that we're going to see from the Eagles. And it is really encouraging not to not to derail there from the waiver yep. wire target. Um, but par- but part of what uh, is encouraging is the fantasy production from uh, the the receiving part of that game because one of our our concerns with the Philly backfield and targeting any of those players was Jalen Hurts as a runner. Um, and you know, so, so Gainwell actually being targeted by a running quarterback, which is a you know trend that we don't always see, um, is certainly favorable for, you know, the rest of his rookie season outlook.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, one other note, I know we're not talking about the Eagles right now, but uh, it's has become pretty apparent that, uh, Devonta Smith can cut it at the NFL and that he is playing the role of the main target for the Eagles, uh, which is pretty exciting Curtis to see And one final thing, too, I want to mention Uh, Sam Darnold is basically running for a touchdown. Like every time a person looks at the television screen actually ranks fifth right now among uh, among quarterbacks in points per game and has like a million touchdowns. So I just I just wanted to mention that as well.
2: Yeah, only in 2021, Dave.